0: Father, we do just come to, for you and thank you so much for this day again. Thank you for the privilege we have to, uh, share your word, to sing your praises, to, um, exalt you and, and worship you. Lord, I pray as we look into your word now that you would, uh, bless it. Bless your word as it goes forth and we praise in your precious name. Amen. Well, in many churches these days, uh, we have, really what I would say is a a pandemic or an epidemic of epic proportions where uh, Sunday after Sunday, uh, those who claim to be evangelical Christians, uh, Sunday after Sunday, congregations have babies that cry out for milk, and pastors give them the basics every week, Uh, maybe sound, maybe accurate, but just a little bit every week, Uh, and these believers never never grow and pastors ignore their blatant immaturity or some because the word's not even being, con- not even being br- brought forth or not even convicted and you have non-believers in there who are just fine uh, with what they're hearing. I was uh, looking at a church website of someone who was looking for a church this week and I turned on the sermon, 26 minutes. I mean, I can barely start talking in 26 minutes. You know, y- you can't get forth the word of God in 26 minutes um, and half of what this guy was doing was stories and things like that. It was really sad. It was really sad. But it was, it was sound, but it was wrong. You know, there are sins of commission where we commit sin. There are sins of omission. Uh, for a pastor to omit preaching the word of God is a great sin. Uh, it's of great evil. And so it really grieved my heart. And uh, it, I thought about it because I've been thinking about the passage that we're in in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, we're not going to look at specifically today, but we're going to prep for it. We're going to take a look for what we're going to see there. But it was all about, as we will see, the restoration of this group of believers and the building up of the spiritual wall, per se, or this, the believers, the house, the, the body of Christ. What we will see in the New Testament, they were uh, Old Testament believers, is done through the word of God. But it's got to be brought forth rightly, and it has to also be, as we will see, yearned for and responded to. Uh, Some people are in really good churches hearing the word of God, and they're being fed, and they are not. Something is wrong, they're not changing. It's interesting, uh, over much time having pastored, uh, looking at people for year after year, not changing, not growing in their faith. Something very wrong. I think we saw that in some of the groups that had left here. Not going the same person, nothing has changed, the same struggle, same thing, never maturing in Christ. Something's wrong. And if you think about it, you know, if, if you are a grown adult and you are still wanting uh, the baby stuff, uh, something's wrong. You know, there's a formula shortage, they say, but uh, maybe there's adults drinking formula, I don't know. But the reality is, that's how crazy that would be, right? Uh, we should be maturing and growing in the Word of God. Now, we're going to see a passage today where we're going to see how to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And within this passage, it's going to talk about milk, but it's going to be a different metaphor. It's not going to be milk as for the immature. It's going to be speaking of the desire that a child has when it's born for milk should be the same desire we have now as, as believers for God's Word. And I believe we're going to see the first step, which we look at Nehemiah, which is to yearn for the Word of God, to long for it. I read that passage earlier in Nehemiah. The people actually asked for Ezra. Praise the Lord for that. He set his mind to study the Word, to to do it, and then to teach it to God's people. Ezra 7.10, and now they're calling for him. Praise the Lord. They want to hear the Word of God. And we're going to see from that yearning for the Word of God, then God takes that as they hear it. And as they understand and then obey, and he changes this group of people. So we're going to see that step today. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to see that we should be longing for the word. We should have a desire for it. We should want to hear it. Not as a sweet song that tickles our ears, you know, like a show, going to a show. But actually, because we love the Lord and we know we need it it 's our spiritual food, we need Jesus, we need his word, right okay, first Peter chapter two uh, we're going to be looking at verses one to three. And now the Apostle Peter is writing to believers in Asia Minor. They are those who are about to go under a great ordeal. They're going to suffer greatly under the hand of Nero. The surprising uh, uh, persecution is going to come upon them. A fiery ordeal is going to come upon them. And Peter's preparing them. He's sharing that they are aliens and sojourners, having been chosen, uh, chosen sojourners. We're just walking through this world for a time, for a time. This isn't our home. And then he shares the great salvation that they have, that, that we bless uh, God who caused us to be born again through, through, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away that is reserved for us in heaven. And therefore, in the trials, we greatly rejoice because we know what God is doing through the testing or proving of faith, our faith, and that will bring about great rejoicing and joy when we see him and we rejoice even right now. And then we see in chapter 1 the applications of our salvation that we are to be holy because he's holy. And that we are to fear the Lord because of the great price that is paid for our salvation. And that because we've been born again, we've been born again unto a love for the brethren. Okay, so being holy, fearing God, and loving the body of Christ. We're going to see that. And so from that point, we come to the the, the means in which God uses to cause us to be changed, to be built up like a spiritual house being built up so that we will be more holy. We're holy in position, we're saints, but holy in practice. That we will uh, be those who fear the Lord more because we understand, uh, we revere the Father who impartially judges according to each man's work, right? And, and our sins have been covered through the blood of Christ. And that we are too, having been saved, saved unto something, as we'll see, a, a love the brethren, we've been saved unto that, and so we have this tremendous uh, passage that comes on the heels of a a passage on how we became believers. Wonderful passage. Let's take a look at this. And I'm going to back up a little bit, not as far as I want to go. I'm going to go to the third piece. I said holiness, right? Then I talked about fear of the Lord, and I talked about love of the brethren. So let's look at the love of the brethren. Move forward from that part into our passage. Look back at chapter one verse twenty two. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a severe s- severe uh, sincere uh, unto really unto a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Hey, since you got saved unto loving your brothers and sisters, love. Right? From the heart, sincerely, right? Fervently for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable that is through the living and abiding word of god for all flesh is like grass and all its glory uh, like the flower and all the its glory like the flower of the grass the grass withers the flower falls off but the word of the lord abides forever and this is the word which was preached to you god's word the gospel as we see preached to you and having heard that we were born again we were born again of a seed that was imperishable of the word of god and we were born unto a love friend, born unto being different that's why it's so strange when someone doesn't change yes we sin we all sin if we say we have no sin uh, uh we're liars right that's what god says through first john right But we should be growing steadily and slowly. We should be changing. We should be trusting the Lord more. We heard that song, oh, to trust him more. That should be our desire. It should be for the word of God. And so here we come to our passage. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and all envy and all slander, like like newborn babes, this is a metaphor, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So how do we grow in our relationship with Christ? You know, you can say, well, it's through the word. And yes, you're right. But there needs to be something associated with that. There needs to be a right heart on the receiver side. There needs to be a right heart, which we're going to see first of all has to do with a yearning, a yearning for the truth of God, a yearning for that. Notice we have in our passage of therefore, uh, therefore, putting aside our malice. And notice uh, we have this first portion, putting aside. That's a uh, participle. It doesn't stand by itself. If I say, putting aside the trash, you're waiting for what else I'm going to say. It's not complete, right? Well, he's going to say, therefore, putting this stuff aside, long for the pure milk of the word. The term long for is the main phrase. Putting aside this or really literally having put it aside, long for this. That's the key. That's the, the what, what brings us together. And secondly, notice there is a therefore there. And so there's a connection to what we just read. And what did we just read? We read about the fact that we have, in obedience to the truth, purified our souls for a sincere, sincere, sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Uh, We were saved unto a genuine, now this word sincere, we'll see it later on, it is an unhypocritical love. The word sincere is really the word uh, hypocrisos with a negation to it. So if you're sincere, you're not a hypocrite. There's some people who love in the body of Christ and they are such hypocrites. They are such hypocrites. He said we got saved unto a non-hypocritical love, a non-hypocritical, a sincere love uh, and so we're to fervently love one another from the heart because we've been born again. We've been born again. You know, in the 70s, that was a big thing. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Well, that's true. It's it's biblical. It's right. Um, and here we see that we were born again. We were uh, made new. We were regenerated. Anaganeo, born again. We were, It's, it's to, to begat again. We were We were brought into a, a, a new relationship with Jesus Christ. We were born again uh, to a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we were born again through uh, this means, uh, uh, born again through a seed which was imperishable but perish which is not perishable, uh, not a seed of perishable, but imperishable. And he talks about it through the living and abiding word of god it lives and it remains it's not going anywhere it's eternal right it lives it lives it's it's alive it's god's word uh and he says the flesh of all flesh is like grass hey we're all dying you know it's we're gonna go back into the ground just like the grass is green and all of a sudden it's 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 dead right and so here, and the, glory of the, and the glory of the grass like the flower of the grass, the grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides or remains forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. They heard the gospel. They heard the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the truth concerning Jesus Christ, a God who took on human flesh, who died for our sins and rose from the dead, Uh, And that through faith in him, we have salvation from sins. We have salvation from our sins. And so then we were saved unto unto a, a love of the brethren. So we're to fervently love. Hey, if that's your purpose, it's like the car was made to drive. Then drive, right? You know, that's what it was made for. We were saved to love. So love, right? So love. And that comes through abiding in Christ. We love because he first loved us. And so notice as we come to our passage then, therefore, therefore, in light of the reality that you are born again, that you are of an imperishable seed that is eternal, you are born again of the word of God, therefore, because of that, then you should be putting aside and longing for something. And we're going to see you should be longing for the word, which actually we grow in respect to salvation if god's word was what he used to save you to make you from death to life it's god's word he uses to grow you in respect to salvation but there needs to be something on your side and that's this interesting statement that we're going to see this idea of longing and that's what i uh uh, noticed and observed in nehemiah is that they asked they asked ezra to come bring the word uh nehemiah didn't say okay ezra you're going to go bring the word we'll set all this up They desired the word of God. They desired the word of God, and that's the first thing we're going to see. And so uh, notice now in our passage, there's some qualifications that need to be met uh, in the context of longing for the word of God. Notice what he says. Therefore, putting aside all malice, notice where the alls are placed. It's interesting. And all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Uh, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. So before, or, or we have to have had something done. It literally is a, it's an aorist tense. It's like either, you know, in the, it could be this way, just do it, or literally having already done it. So if you haven't done it, you do it, and then it's done, right? These things are things that should no longer be part of a believer's life. They should no longer be part of a believer's life. They should be gone, having done, having, as we'll see, put them aside. Put them all aside. And so the implication is uh, that if we don't put these aside, we're not going to be longing for the Word of God. Or if we do, something's not going to be right. And we will not grow in respect to salvation. And we may just be those who haven't tasted the kindness of the Lord. That's the implication. So we want to put these aside. So that's the first thing here. Uh, therefore, uh, putting aside, um, it's an aorist, middle participle. Aorist speaks of a completed action. In a command, it can also speak of just complete it. Uh, the middle voice emphasizes the your action, your reflective action. You're doing it. You're doing it, right? And so in the context of longing, we have, should have been putting aside these things, or put aside now, the term putting aside speaks of taking off or laying aside a garment, uh, of getting rid of something, getting rid of something, putting aside your trash out front or taking off, whatever it is. You're, you're putting it away from you, right? It's, it's not connected to you anymore, right? And so we see it speaks of getting rid of something. And so therefore, notice what he says There's some modifiers here. When I first looked at this, I was wondering, okay, this is what we need to do when we study the Word of God. Ask questions of the text. Why is there an all in the first word, then an all in the last one, and then an all in three together with no alls in between? What's going on there? And then another thing, why doesn't he say, get rid of uh, anger? Well, Malice, we're going to see, has some of that in it. Why doesn't he say, get rid of worry? Why does he say other sins? Get rid of immorality. Why doesn't he say get rid of other sins? Why these sins? And that that, that struck me as I was saying, why this list here? Why this list here? Well, I think we're going to see that this list has to do with the things that are antithetical to a sincere love of the brethren. I think these things, if they're not here, you are not functioning in the purpose and the context of how God has saved you. He saved you to a a sincere love of the brethren, an unhypocritical love. And if this stuff is going on, that ain't happening. So that needs to be set aside, set aside. And we know later on we'll see that we once lived in all these things, right? That's the way we lived. But we should, as believers, have said, this is yuck stuff, Set it aside. I don't want to live that way anymore. That's wrong. God has convicted our hearts, right? Okay. So here he talks about all malice, on all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. So starting out, notice he says all malice. Malice, that speaks of evil or wickedness. Now in context, it seems to take uh, the sense of evil or wickedness towards someone else. An evil uh, disposition to harm others or to see others harmed or to be happy if someone is harmed. Uh, it, it's, an, it's an evil disposition uh, that stems from one's selfish desires. Someone does something to you uh, as a non-believer in the or in the flesh. We want something to happen to them. That's malice. It could be revenge also, right? It's malice. It's evil. It's an evil disposition. Uh, it's internally when we feel a desire that people would be harmed because our desires have been thwarted. It's usually what happens. Our will has been thwarted. Now, love's the opposite. Not my will, but thy will be done. Love is the opposite. So our desires are not in the way when we're loving. But when we're not loving, our desires are, boy, they are big in the way. And, and they, get all kind of, uh, they get all kind of camouflaged and, and changed when we're believers, right? We kind of make our desires into, into spiritual desires or whatever it might be. But we need to have his desire. We need to have his desire. So then first of all, we need to get rid of all malice. Uh, it's that evil towards others, little malice, big malice. It's how we used to live. It's how we spent our lives. He'll say in, uh, in, in um, Paul will say in uh, Titus chapter 3, that we used to live our lives in malice. We used to live that way. That's how we live. And that's how the world is. The, you know, you get in the way of people's uh, will and their demeanor changes. interesting you talk to non-believers and they're so nice and kind and this and that and then somehow something comes up that totally contradicts their will and what they're what they're about and boom there's a switch right boom all of a sudden the malice is ready to come pouring out in the demeanor you can see that sometimes some people are hypocrites can hide it pretty well but we as believers are to have put aside all malice not any malice at all it should be put aside Having put it aside, long for the word. Malice, not a part of our lives. Not a part of our lives. Confess if you have had that uh, attitudes. If you're tempted. Not saying we're not going to be tempted. But uh, no temptation has come upon you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful to provide a way of escape that we might endure it. So, therefore, putting aside all malice. Throwing that garment of malice off you and not... Uh, Grabbing it and putting it back on, right? Putting aside all malice. And then notice, uh, well, also, if hey, if you've had it and you haven't confessed it, confess. We have a great God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What a great God we have. We are the forgiven. We are the redeemed. Wow, we are so blessed. We should be thanking God all day long. Thanking God all day long. Praise the Lord for what he's done. Okay, so put that aside. But then notice he says, all guile, and then there's no all after hypocrisy, and no all after envy. And you got to say, hmm, why these three together? Why these three? Well, I think it's because they're all closely related. So malice is kind of a category. Then you got guile, hypocrisy, and envy. They kind of work together. And then you got slander after that. Okay, you got evil speech. You got you got evil malice in the beginning, right? And then you got kind of this falsehood. And, a, and, a, and an internal drive to 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 have things different, or to hurt people in a sense, uh, if they do well. And so here, first of all, he says uh, all guile, hypocrisy, and envy. And I think, uh, as I mentioned, that this whole group—that there's a group—and uh, so we'll kind of see how they're related as we go longer. But the first one is guile. Do you remember uh, the Lord Jesus when he saw Philip? I think it was. What did he say? An Israelite in whom there's no guile, right? That's an anomaly. All these guys are full of guile, right? right? Well, what is guile? Guile means, could be translated in other versions, deceit. Deceit. Uh, it literally speaks of bait, of bait. Um, uh, you know, when you go fishing, you put bait on the hook, right? And you are trying to deceive the little fish to think he's going to get a meal. But really, he's going to be your meal, Right? You are, you are baiting him. It is, it is deception, right? That's why you have the word bait, like for fish. It's deception. You're tricking the fish, right? And so here, we believers should not have any guile where we are deceptive in what we're doing, where we are trying to bait people in a way so that we can get our will in our ways, whether it's religiously. The, the Pharisees, they were full of guile, and they were very religious, right? Uh, we're to put away all guile. Uh, we're to put it all away. Um, we're, it's a characteristic of what we were before we came to Christ. It's completely opposite to love, self-love, really, what it is. Um, and then notice that uh, we're to get we're to get rid of all of it. No more guile in our lives. You shouldn't be a phony, baloney guy, you know, trying to deceive people with your actions. That's not any place for believers. Put it aside, right? Throw it off. Having thrown it off, the implication is you did throw it off, right? Uh, then, what's the next one here? Hypocrisy. Or, literally, hypocrisy is plural. Kind of interesting. It comes from the Greek word hypokrisos, which comes from, uh, it's like the word hypocritos, and it came from the idea of the Greek theater uh, where an actor, and it described an actor who would wear a mask. And on that mask, it would be painted something different than who they really are. It's a false face. They were hypocrites. They were hypocrites. Uh, It's someone who gives the appearance on the outside of something, yet on the inside is something else. Remember what Jesus continually said about the Pharisees, you hypocrites, right? And he said, woe to them, right? You know, the outside is clean, but the inside is dirty, right? It's all a show. It's all fake, you know, and you get a lot of hypocrites in church. I tell you, a lot of hypocrites. We've seen them, a lot of hypocrites, all clean on the outside, but then their actions reveal the inside is not uh, what it appears to be in relationship to the outside. So put it away. All hypocrisies. We all know what hypocrites are, right? Uh, and so we are, we've been saved unto a sincere love of the brethren, which is the, this word with a negation. An unhypocritical love. That love, we're not putting on a foody face to love somebody, Right? You know, some people get spiritual kudos, you know, when they are those who appear to be loving people. But if they're hypocrites, it's very evil, right? And so here, there should be all hypocrisies. We should be sincere. We should be, you know, like I've shared, be who you is. That's from a, an old preacher in the South. Well, that's me now, right? <laughs> uh, you know, be who you is, because you, if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Something like that, right? I don't know if to say it right, but you understand what I'm saying. Um... Don't be a hypocrite. Put it aside. Don't let. Don't. Don't put on a mask. Be different in any way, shape, or form. All hypocrisies, little ones, big ones. Don't put on a mask. Don't do that. Be who you are. Right? We're supposed to have put all that aside. And then notice another one here: and envy, or literally, this is in the plural. Also, envies, envies. Um, there's to be none. Completely ridden from our lives. Ridex. Get rid of it, right? Get rid of envies, right? Get rid of it from your lives. It is contrary to love. It is contrary to love. And this is an interesting term. It, it, It speaks basically of jealousy over the success or good of another. So when someone prospers financially or, 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 or spiritually or, or physically, whatever it might be, there's an internal, like, upsetness that they are doing well and you are not. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever it might be. There's a, that's an envy. That's envy. And that envy is very pointed. It's, it's very evil. It is resentment towards the advantage of another. You know, we can kind of have that envy at times when we see maybe some non-believers that are very wealthy, you know, seem to be at ease. We can start to have a little bit of resentment there towards them. We can kind of have a bad attitude towards them. You know, put all that aside. Put it aside. You know, it is not loving. It is not a characteristic of those who are following Christ who have been born again. Put it aside. So then we have the last one here, all slander. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, and envies, or hypocrisies and envies, and all slander. The term slander speaks of evil speech, obviously towards another. It is speech that is untrue and is intended to harm. Now, Satan is is crafty in his slander. Uh, he usually throws a little bit of truth in there to to bait people. Okay. And I've noticed and I've seen from people that are in his domain who've slandered me that there's always a tiny little bit of something true about it. But then it usually is twisted into evil, right? And slander, slanderous. Now it can be completely false too, there's no doubt about that. Uh, But here, it is speech that is intended to harm or defame another person's reputation or another. You're to put aside all slanders, all slanders. You know, I was convicted. I was talking about our neighbor. You know, I was convicted by the word of God. I don't really know the neighbor. We're not, we're not to have a, a bad attitude towards our neighbors. I didn't know, and I confess that to you here. I didn't, I don't know what's going on with this house. I don't know, some mysterious stuff going on. But I was going a little past that in my thinking, and that was wrong. That was evil. We've got to put it aside. Put it aside, right? Okay, put aside all slanders. And it's in plural, so it usually happens in multiples, Right? usually happens in multiples, um, all slanders. It's completely contradictory to love. It's contradictory. You're not loving in somebody you're slandering. You're hating them, right? It's, it's, it's not good. There's no room for this in the life of any believer, and so uh, these unloving actions are that which characterized us before Christ. Turn to Titus chapter 3, and we've studied this chapter. We've studied this portion, but let's read it again. That is chapter three. You might even get envious in ministry. Somebody is uh, there; they're now a leader, or they're, they're have an opportunity to preach, and you want to preach, and you can't preach. That's that's envy. Guard, don't put it aside. It's evil, right? Some churches seems to be doing better than another church. You know, maybe they're a good church. God's blessing them. Whatever it is, envy, envy, right? Don't don't do it. Don't do it. And that leads to these other sins, right? Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were fools. Um, And he says here, he says, uh, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Hey, that's what the world's like. Don't expect it to be different, by the way. They need Jesus, right? And they'll be delivered. Um, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. That's the way we used to be. That's the way we used to be. But it should be no part of our lives. It should be taken off like a filthy garment, and thrown out, thrown off of you. Don't allow it. Don't have these attitudes. Having stopped them, having taken them off, then long for the public of the Word. And I'll tell you right now, if you've got sin in your life that you're not dealing with, maybe it's because you don't know the Lord, or maybe you do, but it's going to get in the way from you hearing the Word of God. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to long for it, by the way. And I think it was, I don't know who it was, uh, Moody or one of those guys said, you know, uh, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Right? We know in First John two, these things are written that you would not sin. God uses His word to convict us, to correct us, to train us. what we're going to see, to 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 help us walk in a way that is worthy. And if we're in sin, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to be listening to it. Okay. So then, uh, we need to put these things aside. They are not to be part of our mouth, our our mouths, our our lives. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, but you will now also put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Put it aside. No room for it. We should be convicted if we go there, right? We should be immediately convicted. We snap back at somebody in any of his manners, we should be like, oh, oh, so wrong. Lord, I'm so sorry. We should be, you know, right? Put it aside. Throw it off from you, okay? Throw it off. We see that we should be renewed. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you don't need to go there, but we should put on the new self. Put on the new self, and therefore uh, we should uh, not be speaking falsehood anymore, but speaking truth. We should be setting aside these things, setting it aside in behavior. In behavior, right? So then we see these unloving heart attitudes, which are to be uh, not any part of our lives anymore. We're to rid them from our lives completely. To, to throw them out, right? Throw them out. And interesting, we have the same concept basically in James, and it's about salvation, you know. So I really see these things really close to salvation should be thrown off, right? We may be tempted later on, but having done this, long for the word, having thrown this junk off, right? We were changed. We were born again, right? Uh, James chapter one verse eighteen. Oh, no, that's not it. Uh, James chapter one twenty-one. And I'll read it for you. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Able to save your souls. So then, we're to get rid of all this stuff. We're to get rid of all this stuff, uh, these things that characterized our lives before we were in Christ. And then we're going to see, having done that, we are too long for the pure milk of the word, so then, does your heart have malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, slander? That's not love. It's the opposite. Should be getting rid of it. Should have gotten rid of it, right? And if it shows its ugly head, you kick it right out, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, saying no, understanding it's evil, and asking God to help you see things rightly and to do what is right, and He will. You know, if you ask God for, you know, bread, He's not going to give you a stone. If you ask God to help you not sin. Hey, that's a great prayer, right? All heaven, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Right? Uh, Second uh, Chronicles 16.9. So then, uh, we see, first of all, we should have put all this aside. Now, if you haven't put all this aside, if this is how you're living, maybe you haven't tasted the kindness of the Lord. Maybe you haven't truly tasted it. And you need to examine yourself. So with that in mind, what are we to do? What are we to do? This is the first step. We've been born again. What are we to be doing? Notice what it says uh, back in our passage, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 2. Like, like, it's a metaphor. You know, if I run like a a deer, I'm not a deer, right? But I'm running like a deer. Or if I run like an elephant, (laughs) I'm not an elephant, but I'm running like that, right? You know, so the reality is it's a metaphor. So therefore, like... Newborn babes long for the pure and milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So it's a simple illustration and then a command. Like this happens this way, then do this. So the illustration here in the metaphor is like a newborn babe. You know, what do uh, newborn babes who are healthy and not dying want? Food. They long for it, right? And if they don't get it, right (laughs) they make it known they make it known they desire it greatly physically speaking now they're not thinking they're not thinking in their minds i'm getting very hungry so i better get some milk you know they're not thinking that at all they're they're newborn babes right they're not conscious yet in that sense of being able to think rationally but like a newborn babe automatically goes for milk We are to long for the spiritual milk of the word. We're to long for the word like a baby does. We're to have a longing. We we should know it. We should be in us desiring God's word. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. It says long for the pure milk of the word. And that's what we should be doing. Now, we don't want to mix metaphors because we know in Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about milk is for the immature and solid food for the... That's a different metaphor. This is simply speaking of the act of having a desire for God's word naturally. Baby just got born. We just got born again to a living hope, right? We've been born again, chapter 1, right? And we should be longing for the word. And we're going to see that we might grow in respect to salvation. I think part of the problem in our uh, growing is that we're not longing for the word, that our desire for God's word has been uh, quenched or or squelched or whatever it might be. Sin has come up and reared its ugly head. Uh, We need to see that uh, we need to be longing for it. Before God's going to work in us, we need to have a desire for what is his word from him. So the word long for it here says... uh, The term means earnestly desire, to yearn, to long for, to have a great affection for. Uh, And we'll see it's God's word. Uh, Having ridded yourself of those wicked attitudes already, yearn for God's pure word. Now, it says here, like newborn babes, uh, the new birth, as we see, there's an illustration there, but the same, this is physical babe, but just like they do, we've been born again. We should be longing for that which feeds us, right? That which uh, grows us in respect to salvation. Long for the pure milk of the word. Now, this, uh, some translations have the term pure spiritual milk. Pure spiritual milk. Kind of interesting. And they get that from the Greek word logikos here, uh, which is used to speak of in Romans 12, the spiritual service of worship. Rational, reasonable, logikos. right? But um, with that in mind, I think a Greek reader would understand, and this is why it's translated the word here, that there is a play on words between chapter 1 and here, lagakos and lagos, and that everyone will translate it the word because that's what the intent of the writer is. He's using a metaphor, and he's using a play on words so that we should be longing for that pure milk of the word, and it is that which is spiritual. It's not. It's not physical. Okay, I think that's the that's the key here, and so then every translation will translate the Word of God because that's what it is rightly translated in the context of chapter one and that word so and again, I've mentioned let's not mix up our metaphors metaphor saying that only baby Christians should be longing. no, this is saying we should always be longing for it, right right It's just the illustrations about the milk of the word that's what the illustration is. We're all commanded to have a desire for God's word. And if you don't have that, you've got to ask, what's wrong with me? Where am I unhealthy? Where am I spiritually sick? Babies that are sick don't long for the word because they're dying, right? Uh, or they don't long for the milk, I'm saying, excuse me, metaphor, because they're dying or they're sick. Uh, maybe you're sin sick and that's why you're not longing. You've got to get and expel that sin through confession, you see, get it out of the way. And then by your new nature, like a babe in, here in a new, new birth, long for the work of, work of the word, right? Be longing for it. And it's one thing that causes a baby to grow, and that's milk, right? That's milk. And there's one thing that causes us to grow, and that's the word of God. But it has to be in the right context, in the right context, uh, Paul, when he was talking to the Thessalonians, he was so thankful that they received the word of God's message, not as the word of men, but the word of God. And then he says, which performs its work in you who believe. He's talking about God's word. They received it rightly. They, they accepted it. They, wel- they put the welcome mat for the word of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. It is not simply a verse on your bumper sticker or on the front of your house. It's not simply a card of verses that you're looking at and blah, 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 blah. It is God's Word. It is His Word. It is the God, God through His Spirit, speaking to us. Speaking to us and we should long to hear what our God wants to tell us, and we should long to respond, as we'll see, to what our God is telling us, because there's power behind that. There's power, not in, in a general sense. God's word is powerful, by the way, and God is powerful, and he uses it to change us, as we will say. So then, in our passage, it's the word of God, and in chapter one of first Peter, we gained some insight into the, the nature of the word. We saw that, uh, that it, indeed it was imperishable, and it cost the new birth. you know when someone says you 're regenerated uh, before you believe well I'll say, wait a second, that doesn 't make any sense that 's not true. We were born again through the means of the living and abiding Word of God, that which you believe, Ephesians chapter one, you heard the gospel, the message of salvation, you believed you received the spirit of God, you say. Uh, we were born again through the instrumentality of the word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's just so clear. Since in obedience to the truth, First 1 Peter 1.22, you purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have not been born again from a seed which is imperishable, but per- but, but perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. God's word is alive. And it remains. And he says here, he talks about this word, uh, the word of the Lord, verse 25, Li- abides forever. And that's the word which was preached to you. That's what you heard. You heard the word of God, and you got saved, and you got saved. And when we believe the word of God, we get, we get saved. We know that. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can turn there. Some of the ones that I know you know or you're very familiar, I'll just share them with you so they just go in our memory banks again. But you may not remember this part. We're very familiar with what comes after it. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things, 3.14, which you have learned and become convinced of knowing from where you've learned them. It's talking about, hey, the bad guys do this, but you, Timothy, stay in the Word of God. And he's going to say, and that from childhood... You have known the sacred writing. He had a good mom and a good grandma, by the way, Eunice and Lois. Right? You know, they were tearing them, telling him them the word of God. Right? From childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. No, no previous regeneration. It's God's word. Illumining a heart with the wisdom, right? The truth of God concerning sin and salvation in Jesus Christ. And then belief, right? Belief. It's through the word of God. Uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For those who believe. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. So God's word is powerful, um, and it is eternal, right? we also saw it's alive and remains. We saw that back in chapter 123, right? It remains. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharp on a two-edged sword, able to, to pierce the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, right? God's word is, and, and, and there's no creature hidden from his sight. It judges, it, it, it divides, it, it, it clarifies. God's word is powerful. It's powerful. Uh, the word, as we will see, is our spiritual food, which we grow in. And in our passage, back to our passage, he says, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. It's interesting. I mentioned this before. And then uh, this term pure is actually, is a a term guile, but without it. God's word is without guile. It's without deceit. It's straightforward. It's pure. It's not corrupted, right? The pure, uncorrupted word. We see that psalm 19 the law of the lord is perfect restoring the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making the wise simple the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes and so where do we find the pure milk of the word well for some of us it seems obvious right but for others there's so much false teaching out there you'll have a guy say i've got a word from the lord for you well no he doesn't that's not true God has given us his completed word. We have everything we need for life and godliness. He spoke in many ways and many portions in the past. Now he has spoken through his son. We have the completed word of God. We have in First Timothy, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for good works, for every good work. Every single one. God's word equips us for everything we need. We have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need. Now there are bad guys out there who manipulate people and deceive them. We'll see that later on with Pentecostal stuff and things like that and charismatic stuff. They deceive people. Now I, I have a, a, a eternal distaste for those wicked men. But the people underneath them, some of them are believers. And they need, you know, at the right time, someone who can reasonably and righteously in the right time maybe just share the word graciously to them and say, hey, here's what it says here, and this is what God's word says, you know. uh, They're not the enemy. They're the deceived, right? It's the people who are teaching them that are the bad guys, right? And so we can sometimes have an attitude towards those who are caught up underneath as if they are the teachers. Yeah, they'll be responsible, but that's not the case, right? So back to what I was saying here. We have this tremendous truth that is in the word of god alone it is in the word of god thy word is truth sanctify them in thy word thy word is truth we have everything we need in the scriptures and so we are commanded because this is our food man should not live on bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of god we're commanded to long for our food you know i've been dieting for a month and man am i longing for food i tell you I've got a certain amount of calories I can eat each day, and I am like, oh, I can't wait to have that many. Oh, I can't wait to have the next batch. I can't wait to the next batch. I'm longing for food because that's how I stay alive right now, not grow, hopefully shrink, right? But that's how I stay alive, okay? And so I'm longing for it because I like it, it tastes good, and I know what it does for me. We understand God's word. God is good. He speaks to us through his word. He uses it, as we will see, to grow us in respect to salvation. Tremendous. Notice that. Take a look at our passage. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. And here you go. Here's the purpose. That by it, the it is the pure milk of the word. It's God's word. Okay? It you may grow in respect to salvation. The term grow speaks of just that, growth such as in plants. That you may grow in respect to salvation. And what's that growth in the spheres that we're going to see in context? Holiness. You should be holy for I am holy. Uh, Fear. We should fear because God is the judge, but we've been delivered from his judgment through the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, in here, in love for the body of Christ, a sincere love of the brethren. And that we see is Christ-likeness, right? Right, we have our God, who was perfectly holy, who who who, who feared rightly the Father, who trusted and trusted Himself, and in, in His humility, who obeyed and loved uh, the Father first of all by obeying Him, but also loved us to the end. Right, we see that gave Himself for us. God's word grows us in respect to salvation, and that only happens unless uh, to the people who have ridded themselves of their former characteristics before they came to Christ. They've set it aside. Having ridden these things, long for the pure milk of the word. And that's why I'm so excited about this Nehemiah passage, because this group of people who kind of checkered in the past, they, God used them, they built the wall and stuff, and they, they trust the Lord, but there's, kind of, there's some problems, right? They're longing for the word of God. Bring in Ezra. He's the guy with the book. Bring him in. We want to hear the word, right? And we see what happens And so we should be longing for the pure milk of the word. You know, if you're going and looking for churches, go to a church that shares the word of God. Don't just go because the music's good or they have a little thing, sermon here and there, or there may be sound. We should be longing to be fed. If you go there and it's a 26-minute sermon, you're not going to get fed. Don't deceive yourself, okay? That's because you're not longing for the milk of the word. You're longing to just be in a church or whatever it might be. Long for the pure milk. Milk of the word. We saw, and I mentioned this in First Thessalonians 2.13, that uh that these Thessalonians, when they first believed, Paul was so thankful because they received it not as the word of men, but the word of God, which also it says, also performs its work in you who believe. It works out the life of Christ in us. Christ uses his word to change us, and his life is worked out in us. It's quite amazing. And he does it through his word. Uh, It performs its work. He doesn't say uh, man's wisdom performs its work in you who believe. He doesn't say psychology performs its work in you who believe. He doesn't say clever stories and illustrations perform its work in you who believe. It is God's word who performs its work in you who believe. And we saw this. And so how are we to grow in respect to salvation, holiness, uh, conform to the image of Christ, by longing for god's word longing for it and then allowing it as we'll see as we move on in our passages allowing it to work in us to build us up as a spiritual house to offer acceptable sacrifices you're going to see that later on in first peter building us up making us like jesus uh making us more holy practically speaking uh causing us to fear god more causing us to love one another more changing us changing us so we have a tremendous uh, passage that we would grow in respect to salvation. There is no good reason why any believer shouldn't be growing. Um, you look at emaciated children or whatever it might be. Why are they emaciated? They're not being fed. But they're sickly, and in the illustration, that's they're not longing. Usually we see that, you know, like in a child and an infant. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. We see this kind of illustrated in in practice here, Proverbs chapter 2. And Solomon is talking to his son, and he says in Proverbs 2, My son, if you will receive my sayings, you'll you'll accept it, you'll receive it, treasure my commandments within you. That, That speaks of a longing, doesn't it? Um, Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart for understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures. You desire God's word. You yearn for it this way. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord God gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And it's going to guard you, right? Guarding the paths of justice, he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Why? Why? For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Wow, isn't that great? Yearn for the word and get it in. Get it in. Put sin out, confessing, get the word in, and yearn for it. And let God do his work. You know, and when we fail, we get convicted right away because it's right nearby, right? Because we're longing for it, right? And we confess, or we, we run to him for deliverance from... Or whatever it might be, uh, temptation. Uh, Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his, day, he, and in his law he meditates day and night. His delight likes it. You know, I find that the word is not really as delightful to me when I've got my own will going on. <laughs> Right? It just seems like when that's happening, the word isn't just as delightful as it usually is. And then God has to show me through f- sinful failures where uh, I then confess and then I'm, and it's a delight again. Right? Again, it's sin that gets in the way. So then, we're to be longing for the pure milk of the word. Do you long for it? If not, we're commanded to. We need to discern what is in the way. What sinful... Things are in the way that are causing me to just set it aside, to not see it as my food for life, my food for life. Then let's finish up looking at the end of our passage because we can't grow in our relationship with the Lord if we haven't been saved. Notice what he says. He qualifies everything on this verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. This appears to be a a, a loose quote of of, uh, David in Psalm 34. He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. appears to be that. And the point is, God is kind. And God, through his kindness and loving kindness, sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And uh, it's through his kindness and his love and his mercy that he did so. And when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we... Partake of His kindness; we taste it, we know it, we understand it. Uh, we know uh, from Psalm 103 that uh, uh, we are to bless the Lord with our souls, and all those in us in me bless His in the early name. Bless the Lord and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? And he goes on and talks about his loving kindnesses and the forgiveness of sin. They're, they're just associated together. Have you tasted that? If you haven't tasted that, then you're not going to long for the pre word. You're not going to be able to, to, because you're not saved. And maybe someone today is realizing, I've never longed for it. I have those characteristics that you spoke of earlier. Maybe you haven't truly humbled yourself and and acknowledged your sin to God, not to me, not to anyone else, but to God And realize that He died for your sins. He bore them on the cross and He rose from the dead. If you ever truly call upon Him, He will save you and you will taste the kindness of the Lord. That's what we sing about. You know, some of these churches, they come in and say, oh, you know, here's a rock concert for you. You know, it's all about your desires. You know, now some people might like that. We might like that, but that's my desire, whatever it might be. But here, we've tasted the kindness of the Lord. So we want to praise Him for it. We want to thank him for dying for our sins. We want to thank him for forgiveness. We want to sing these songs that that give him glory and honor, right? Have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? That's the qualification. That's the qualification. So then, how do we grow in our walk with the Lord? How do we grow in respect to salvation? We need to yearn for the pure milk of the word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for uh, this passage and what we've been privileged to study. And, Lord, I pray that you would be uh, exposing, uh, convicting, uh, rooting out sin. Uh, And for those who don't know you, that it would be exposed, that they might um, be convicted of their sin and your right to judge them, Lord God, and that they might call out, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me from my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe you're God. Save me, Lord Jesus. And Lord, for us, may we be those who have obeyed this, who have set aside these things. May we not let them rear up in our attitudes and actions. May we cast them off uh, in faith, Lord God, trusting you when they arise. And may we long, be those who long for your pure word. That we may grow in respect to salvation, Lord God. So I thank you for your time, your this time and the time you've given us in your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. And John, if we.